0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Lesson comes from Genesis 1, starting with verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth, earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on end, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth, when they were created. Here ends the Old Testament
2: in We continue with our confession of faith. The Father is not made nor created nor begotten by anyone. The Son is neither made nor created,
0: nor, nor the The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceed. Thus there is one Father, not three Fathers, one Son, not three Sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And in this Trinity, none is before or after another, none is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co eternal with each other and go before, so that all things have stated above the Trinity in unity, and the unity in the Trinity is three worships. Therefore, whoever desires to be saved must think thus about the Trinity. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew,
2: the 28th chapter. Glory to Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, (coughs) to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw them, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. Please be seated. We continue with our hymn in 506. Glory be to God. May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text of the message comes from our Old Testament reading today. Let's pray. Most gracious God, you have revealed yourself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bless us as we look to your word and, and cleanse us from doubt and fear send us boldly into the world to worship you. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. You know, one of the most interesting discoveries uh, astrophysicists have made in, in recent uh, years or decades is that is this, that if gravity were just 0.000000, 000, 000, 000 Zero, 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 000001, okay, one trillionth of one percent stronger, the universe would have reversed course a long time ago. It would have collapsed catastrophically, ending up in a more of a big crunch uh, uh, opposite of the Big Bang. Likewise, if gravity were just 0. 000, 000, 000, 000, 000000000001, one trillionth of one percent weaker, the universe would have sort of flown apart. The, the planets, the stars, the galaxies, all the constituents of the universe would have never had a chance to coalesce. We'd all be as the band Kansas saying it's dust in the wind, right? Is it just an accident that everything turned out so well? That gravity is not too strong and not too weak, but just right? Right? <coughs> Sir Fred Hoyle, late at the University of Cambridge astronomer and devout atheist, didn't think so, not for a second. After doing innumerable computations, he discovered that the odds of our being accidents of nature are comparable to the likelihood of a tornado sweeping through a junkyard and assembling all the scrap metal into a fully functioning Boeing 747. Okay? Not likely, right? Following his calculations, he said, the likelihood is so small as to be negligible, even if a tornado were to blow through enough junkyards to fill the whole universe. He said, one arrives at the conclusion the biomaterials with their amassing measure or order must be the outcome of intelligent design. ID, you know, you put those two letters together and you find they mean different things to different people. Uh, if you've got a pin pal in Boise, you recognize ID as the code for abbreviation for Idaho. If you go to a baseball game, the vendors are trained to ask for uh, an ID when someone looks younger than 30, uh, or looks 30 or younger and wants to buy a beer, in case that ID means identification. In recent years, those letters, ID, have come to uh, be associated with something else, a movement in a scientific community known as intelligent design. Sort the risk of oversimplification is the assertion that certain features of the universe and of living things are really best explained by an intelligent cause, uh, not some undirected process like natural selection. Right. The beginnings of the modern intelligent design movement can be traced back to uh, the 1980s, but the but really the, the term itself is a, a little bit older. In fact, it can be found in a 1847 issue of Scientific American, and, and ironically, it also appeared in a letter written in 1861 written by Charles Darwin. Now, we aren't here to debate the claims uh, made by proponents of intelligent design. don't really need to argue about when it began, uh, because we already know. It began in the beginning, the beginning, right? the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of history, the beginning of the world. Only God was present at creation, and in the opening verses of Genesis, uh, he tells us everything we need to know about really being designed by the best. Let's first consider the design of the creator. In our Old Testament reading, it starts, In the beginning, God. This is how God, the creator, introduces himself to us in the opening words of the Bible. Doesn't explain where he came from, doesn't try to justify his existence, uh, and and the inspired author of this, uh, of Genesis, with these four words, Moses, asks the reader to simply accept the fact that God is. Before Moses said anything else, he draws attention to one of God's divine attributes, namely that God is eternal. He's present when the world began, He is present before the world began. He always was, always is, always will be. He is eternal. Moses expands that thought uh, in the the psalm attributed to him, uh, Psalm 90, Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. Before the mountains were born, and you brought forth the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The fact that God is literally older than the hills, right? Proof that he is eternal. The fact that God made the mountains and everything else uh, in the world proves that he is, is all-powerful as well. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not a big bang, not a process of millions of years. According to the Bible, it's God who created the heavens and the earth instantly, immediately, and powerfully. And the only, the only tool that he uses to get the job done is his word. God said, let there be light. There was light. God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water, and there was sky. God said, let the water go under the sky, be gathered into one place, and let the dry ground appear, and the waters immediately obeyed his command. I mean, I think you get the point. You can point to the plants and the planets or the of the fish and the birds, Adam and Eve, you can point to anything that's created by, uh, on any of the six days of creation and see the evidence of God's awesome power. But don't let the sheer might of the Almighty keep you from recognizing something else the creation tells us about the Creator is that God is wise. God is the intelligent designer of the, the universe. And with all the advances in medicine and science, uh, Uh, we're only beginning to discover how intelligent God is, right? The more we learn about the human body, the more we appreciate the words of David in the psalm, saying, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The more we learn about the heavenly bodies, the more we appreciate the words of Psalm 104. How many are your works, O Lord, in wisdom you made them all. God tells us so many things about himself in the opening chapter of Genesis, but we, we haven't covered anything yet. I mean, the text is specifically chosen for Trinity Sunday because in this chapter, God reveals that he is triune. Now, it might not be stated as clearly as it is in the gospel reading where Jesus tells the disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But it's there. It's embedded in the name God, appearing over 30 times in the creation account, Uh, and implying the God of the Bible is no ordinary God. Finding this evidence is something that uh, that God said just before he created Adam. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. You know, it's one thing to see the the, the trinity in the the plural forms of of nouns and pronouns, but it's another thing to see the Triune God at work in creation because God the Father is the one speaking but then we're told also there is the Spirit. Moses tells us that the Spirit of God was there in the beginning hovering over the waters, over the deep and then there is the Word Jesus the Gospel writer John tells us that, that Jesus was there too but this son is not sitting off to the side watching his Father work John writes in the beginning was the Word Later on we find out that's Jesus. And the word was with God, the word was God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In the Apostles' Creed we confess, I believe in God the Father almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe that, but but we don't believe that God the Father acted independently. The very creation of the world and all that is in it is a cooperative act of that one true God, the Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the design of the Creator. But let's also consider the design of the creation, the design of His creation. Now, it's been quite a few years, but maybe you remember an experiment, an experiment titled Biosphere Two. It was an attempt to try to set up some isolated living environment that would supply all the factors necessary for sustaining life. It was to be a self-contained microcosm of life on Earth. It contains soil, air, water, plants, animals, sort of like maybe you've seen the, these sealed glass containers that have plants that grow, continue to grow in it, uh, because it's got all that is needed in there. Biosphere was originally created, uh, consisted of this airtight enclosure it consists covering uh, 3.15 acres in Arizona. An investment of $200 million from 1984 to 1991, a multi-million dollar operating budget, and limited technological support, and heroic effort, it proved impossible to sustain eight human beings with adequate food, water, and air for two years. In 1991, just 1.3 years after it started, oxygen levels fell to the point That oxygen had been brought in from outside. 19 of the the 25 vertebrate species that were placed in there in that unit became extinct. All the species that could pollinate the plants became extinct, as did some of the insects, which probably was a big loss within the loss of insects, but but water and air. Uh, And uh, they even needed some pollution. It became so acute that temperature control was a problem. But with all the intelligence put into the design of the biosphere, Two, it could not be made to work. And this wonderfully integrated ecosystem of Earth supposedly happened without intelligent design. But what about the design of His creation? And we talk about God quite a bit today. He's eternal. He's powerful. He was. He's three persons in one God. But we haven't talked about God's most important attribute yet. The fact that God is love. The good news is that we don't have to look very far to find that, do we? We can see the the evidence of God's goodness already in the design of God's creation. I mean, if you're looking for a new way, uh, maybe a different way to study this account, uh, take this chapter uh, home with you uh, and, and, and And read it a few times in a row and see the different the patterns that might emerge for you as you you read through it for one thing you're going to be amazed at the orderliness of creation God brought about order after God's first creative act the earth was formless and void but that didn't last very long the first three days of creation God brought a form to what had been formless first he created light to which every living thing needs to live. Then he made the atmosphere so his creatures could breathe. Then he made dry land appear so his creatures would have somewhere to stand. Then he made plants and trees to provide creatures his creatures with food. And when that was done, once creation had its form, then God filled the creation. He placed the sun, moon, and stars in the heavens. He made birds to fill the skies and, and fish to fill the sea. He, he filled the earth with all kinds of animals. And last but not least, God created man. The crown of his creation to take care of all of them. Another pattern that emerges is a phrase that is repeated several times uh, in this account. That God, uh, that God created the creation to grow. After God made plants and trees, uh, after he made the fish and the birds, after he made the livestock and the wild animals and the creatures that move along the ground, the creepy thing, he gave the ability to reproduce according to their, according to their kinds. I mean it's almost like the God's anticipating a time when someone would come up with some kind of alternative explanation uh, for creation. So he repeats these same words over and over again to make a point, that birds make birds, right? Bees make bees. Uh, that's the way it works now. And according to God, that's the way it working from the beginning. The most intriguing pattern is another phrase that Moses sprinkles throughout the chapter, that God's creation is good. In six days, he reports six different times that what God made was good. And at the end of the sixth day, when God was finished with creation, he concluded that it was very good. Nothing lacking, everything was perfect then. But now, we look at the same world today, we don't exactly see the same thing, do we? We look at God's grace and sometimes it doesn't look so good anymore. Instead of perfection, we see problems. Instead of peace and harmony, we see hatred and hostility. We see God's preachers creature who, who deny their creator. We see the creature, God's preachers denying the existence of their creator. We see sin everywhere, we see sin here. We see sin here in our lives, don't we? I mean, it's not God's fault. I mean, we could point to Adam and Eve uh, and, and take ourselves out of the equation. I mean, yeah, sure, they were the first ones to call for the serpent's lies, and we can look down on them, uh, and maybe think a little bit more highly of, themso- of ourselves, but because we want to believe that we are so wise, right? We want to believe that we are the ones that are in total control. We want to believe that eating maybe a little bit of forbidden fruit once in a while is not really going to hurt anything. But in reality, it does. Sin hurts. In fact, Sin kills. Sin ruined the design of God's perfect creation. Sin ruined our relationship with the perfect God. We can't change that. We can't undo what has been done, but we can still have hope. You see, in the midst of this fallen creation, there is hope. There is a hope for you and me because of one, uh, uh, of one perfect act of love performed on our behalf. You're not gonna find it by looking in the microscope or up into the stars. You're not gonna discern it by standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. This is what we will confess after the sermon here, the final part of the Athanasian Creed. The only place where you find this love, this hope, is in God's revealed word in scripture. In the Bible, God just doesn't tell us that he loves us. He shows us how much he loves us. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's willing to give up his most precious possession. Jesus is willing to give up his life to save you and me from eternal death. God does all of this because he loves you. God does all of this because he wants you to live with him in a place that Peter describes as the new heavens and the new earth. God does all of this because he wants you to experience his eternal perfection in heaven and eternal life. You know, uh, the critics of intelligent design uh, sometimes make a mockery of things, and they mockingly point out that I and D are are the first two letters of the word idiot, Uh, and they say that believing in the Bible is uh, especially believing in the six days of creation uh, are a sign of a lack of intelligence, And, and certainly everyone's a right to their opinion, but as Christians we see things a bit differently, don't we? Believing in creation does not equal a lack of intelligence. People who believe in creation are placing their trust in a higher intelligence and in God. We believe in, in, in the eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, triune God, the God who designed us, the God who loves us so much that He designed a plan to save us. Some describe a Trinity Sunday as a celebration of a a doctrine that has lost its relevancy for today. Some see it as trying to define the undefinable and mysterious essence and the nature of God. But for me, let's approach this a bit differently. Trinity Sunday is a celebration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we confess creeds and formulas and doctrines, absolutely, but they wouldn't have anything to say about the nature of God had it not been revealed to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It is in Jesus that we see God in action, in creation and redemption. We see ourselves caught up in the the middle of all that action. It is in Jesus we see the powerful, yet loving heart of God the Father so clearly, and the pervasiveness and gentleness of His Spirit so vividly. I mean, there is only one God, right? Through Jesus the Son we meet God, uh, a God whom he called Father. We experience the intimacy of God's Holy Spirit who like the very breath of God breathes into us empowers us to be a people of grace. Today we, we join with Christians all around the world and we praise God for the way he's revealed himself to us so wonderfully when he became one of us and his son Jesus. We are designed by the best. This is the design of the creator the design of his creation. And on this celebration of Holy Trinity, we rejoice that God who revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from the very beginning. May we trust in his revelation of himself. May we also rejoice today and share the joy of knowing God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus.